And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let me pray for us. Lord God, would you meet us this morning? Holy Spirit, speak through your word and to our spirit that we might be changed. Give us minds to understand, hearts to receive, and lives that are changed as a result of being with you this morning in your word. Remove me, Jesus be seen this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I need this passage uh, very much this morning uh, and uh, have long enjoyed uh, studying this passage, uh, but uh, I will get into that later. One of uh, the greatest children's stories ever written has to be Hans Christian Andersen's 1843 story, The Ugly Duckling. You've read that. My mom used to read that story to me as I grew up, and I loved it. It's a story, if you've never heard it, of a duckling that wants nothing more than to feel loved and beautiful. But he always feels ugly, gets picked on by the other ducks, and he, it, because he looks different, he ends up leaving his hometown still longing to feel loved and beautiful. He sees some swans one day, and he thinks, oh, those swans are so beautiful. I, I wish I could be as beautiful as they are. And then one day he sees his rec, uh, reflection in the water and finally realizes that he's not an ugly duck, but he is and always has been a beautiful swan. And the interesting thing about this children's story is that most critics think that this was written out of the personal experience of Hans Christian Andersen. He grew up with a big nose. He was an awkward child. He got picked on, made fun of, and growing up, all he wanted was to feel loved. I don't know if you've ever ever saw the 2004 reality, terrible reality TV show, The Swan. Any of you seen that? I hope not, but good. Uh, Well, the show... The show took women, women who felt ugly, put them through a diet, a wardrobe change, a makeup change, and then presented their transformation for the world to see. It was attempting to take women who felt ugly and turn them beautiful. Glad it only lasted a few months because it was an awful show. Yet, yet this show was attempting to address, in a very awful way, the same thing that Anderson's story was addressing. And it's this, everyone everyone longs to feel loved. Everyone longs to feel loved. One of my seminary professors made this point in a counseling class, that at the heart of every woman, there is one question they're longing to have answered, and it's this, am I beautiful enough? At the heart of every man, there's one question that they're longing to have answered, and it's this, do I have what it takes? Am I man enough? The heart level, every woman feels loved when she feels beautiful, and every man feels loved when he has what it takes. The question, am I lovable? It's something that we try our whole lives attempting to answer. Whether it be through the compliments that you might receive for the way you look, or the success that you have in school, or admiration that you receive from your children, or the admiration that you receive from your parents, 
or the money that you make or the person that you date or the person that you marry or the position that you hold or the kindness portrayed. I could go on and on. And all of us have at some time heard and felt the response to the question of, am I lovable? be no. I'm not lovable. And it could be from words spoken to you by your parents growing up. It could be because you received physical or sexual abuse. It could be because a boyfriend or a girlfriend broke your heart. It could be because a boss let you go. It could be because a spouse was unfaithful to you. It could be because a parent left you at a very early age or a friend betrayed you. The question that I want us to address this morning is where did you or where do you go in the midst of the pain of feeling unloved? Where do you look for love when you feel unloved? There's a musician, J.J. Heller, that I started to listen to while in seminary, and she has a song, Love Me. Each verse deals with different scenarios. The first verse is about a boy longing to have someone truly rejoice over him and tell him that he is enough, probably his father. One verse is about a woman whose husband leaves her, and she thinks, if I was just a little bit thinner, then maybe he would have stayed and he would have thought I was beautiful enough. And the chorus of the song is this, who will love me for me? Not for what I've done or what I will become, but who will love me for me? For no one has showed me what love really means. We enter to a passage this morning of a woman feeling rejected unloved and we see her struggle and we see all the wrong places that she looks for love and then ultimately she receives love two things that we're going to look at this morning looking for love in all the wrong places and being found by love so let me catch you up to where we are in genesis right now jacob has uh is fleeing from his home has been deceived of his birthright from his twin brother esau uh not only he swindled the birthright, but he used deception to get his father Isaac's blessing, which we saw last week. It was supposed to go to Esau. And uh, Esau gets very angry, sets out to kill Jacob. So Jacob is told by his mother Rebekah about Esau's plans. And then his father Isaac tells him to flee to Laban's house. And then at Laban's house to marry one of Laban's two daughters, one of his two daughters. And in Genesis chapter 29, we see Jacob at Laban's house and the two daughters in the family, Rachel and Leah. And in Genesis chapter 29, verse 17, it tells us that Rachel is beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob sees Rachel and he thinks, that's one fine woman that's going to be my wife, right? That's what I want to marry. And so he asks Laban if he could marry beautiful Rachel. And Laban tells him, well, if you'll work seven years, I will give you Rachel. In verse 20 of, of chapter 29, it tells us that, that Jacob worked seven years, but it felt like a few days because of how much he loved Rachel. And after the seven years, Jacob tells Laban, well, it's time for me to, to receive my wife. And so Laban makes a feast uh, and instead deceives the deceiver and brings Leah. And for a number of reasons, Jacob was unaware that it was Leah and that night uh, after the wedding uh, celebration. And in verse 25, it says that Jacob woke up in the morning and behold, it was Leah. <laughs> Surprise, right? Verse 17, it tells us that Leah describes Leah this way. 
Leah is weak in the eyes. <laughs> in other words, our girl Leah is not quite like Rachel, right? She's the ugly one of the two sisters. And Jacob says, I want Rachel. So he works another seven years for Rachel. He loved Rachel. He didn't love Leah. He wanted beautiful Rachel, not ugly Leah. Can you imagine the pain of Leah? The horror she felt when she saw the look in Jacob's eyes the next morning when he realized it's ugly Leah. The pain that she felt when she saw that Jacob would be willing to work 14 years for Rachel because he didn't want her. Unloved. Rejected. So we pick up in verses 31 and 35 and we see Leah feeling unloved and looking for love. The we're looking at this morning in verses 31 to 34 is looking for love in all the wrong places. Chuck DeGroat, a seminary professor, tweeted this past week, looking for love in all the wrong places should be the subtitle of the whole Bible because it's the story of all of humanity. So we're going to look at Leah, and I'm very thankful for Tim Keller's perspective on this passage as he's helped me to see that you can see a lot of what's going on in the heart of Leah through the naming her children. And in verses 30, she has three children. Time she has a child, she responds a certain way. Each time she's hoping, now I will be loved. See, first she conceives Reuben, and she responds, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. And then she conceives Simeon, and she says, because the Lord heard that I am hated, he has given me the son also. If you picked up on the refrain in both of those children, but she begins both times by saying, because the Lord. With Reuben, she says, because the Lord sees. And with Simeon, because the Lord hears. So Leah realizes, and it makes it very clear, that the Lord knows what's going on. The, the Lord is in control. He sees and He hears her pain. And the Lord is blessing her with these sons. But you pick up on where Leah's hope is in being loved. She says, for now, my husband will love me. See, Leah's experiencing great pain from being unloved, and, and she knows the Lord cares. He sees and he hears, but ultimately her hope is in feeling loved by her husband. She feels unworthy, unlovable. She finds her sense of worth by looking to Jacob. Now, and I think, the, I think the naming of these first two sons is pretty descriptive of many people here this morning. Many of you maybe grew up in a Christian home. Many of you might say, I, yes, I, God sees, I know that God hears. In other words, God's omnipotent. He controls all, all things. He's the creator over all things. I know that. And those of you here this morning, maybe, maybe you're not a Christian, uh, but perhaps you would say, I know there's something greater than ourselves. There's a greater power, something that's in control. Now, either way, I, I would say that we all at times can look for love in wrong ways. And Leah reveals the root issue in our hearts. So we can believe that God is omnipotent, right? He's, he's all-knowing. We can believe He's in control. But the question that we all ask, does God really care deeply for me? Does God love me intimately? Leah is looking for love in Jacob, because she doesn't believe God really loves her. A few years ago, I, I was counseling 
a couple that was about to get married, some premarital and uh, they were describing the past six weeks of their relationship to me when I met with them, and the man had just lost out on a major deal at work, a deal worth a ton of money, and it crushed him. He was depressed. He'd been laying on the couch for a number of weeks depressed. Here he was, engaged to the girl of his dreams, months away from getting married, and he loses this deal, and it crushes him into depression. And we talked about it for a few hours, and finally it came out that he was looking to his job. He was looking to his money in order to feel man enough for his soon-to-be wife to love him. See, he was afraid that she might not love him if he didn't prove himself in his job and had enough money. He ultimately did not believe she loved him unconditionally. Even though she was about to say yes and marry him, he did not believe her love. So he looked for love and respect and validation in his job. That's what Leah is doing here. That's what we all do. God tells you, I love you. I care for you. You're mine. I know the hairs on your head. I formed you in your mother's womb. And then in reality, we could say, okay, okay, okay. But I, I need to make myself lovable for God to really love me. And that type of thinking will wear us down. It'll cause us to grow tired and weak. And as a result, we will tend to look to other things to feel loved. So let me ask you this morning. Simeons. Things that you, you're not really believing in God's love and care for you. What are those for you? The third child that she conceives is Levi. And she says here, now, this time, my husband will be attached to me. The first children reveal that Leah is looking to be loved by Jacob. Now the third child reveals she's looking for something even more intense. She's looking for an attached love. She's looking for security. Now Leah is lonely. She's rejected. As a result, she's feeling tossed back and forth. And she wants nothing more than to experience secure attached love. Now, when we feel lonely and rejected and loved, when we as men are asking, do I have what it takes? And women, you're asking, am I beautiful? We want to turn to something that will give us a resounding yes, right? We want the security of hearing the yes that will give us a rootedness when we feel like we're being tossed back and forth in our loneliness and in our rejection. If you've heard the story of Howard Hughes or seen the movie Aviator, starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. True story of Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was born in 1905 uh, and into a very wealthy family. His parents died at a very early age, and Hughes wrestles with a sense of loss and abandonment, a sense of rejection. Years of turbulent times for him, and he was emotionally up and down, uh, and he sought to find security and success. And Howard Hughes becomes a movie producer, A self-taught aircraft engineer, he founds the airline TWA, which made him even more wealthier. Uh, He obtained it all. And at the end of his life, Hughes, who was secure, right, in success, he had sought in the eyes of the world, was extremely miserable. Uh, The movie portrays him as addicted to drugs, alone in his hotel room as he's dying, long hair, long fingernails, thin as a rail, miserable. 
about to die all alone. In your turbulent times, when, when things are hard and you're feeling alone, do you look to money to hear the yes? Do you look to your children to hear the yes? Your family? Do you look to your morality? Are you good enough? Do you look to your culture? Do you look to politics? Do you look to people liking and respecting you to hear the yes? Let me just tell you and remind myself this morning that these things will never give us ultimate security that we think they will. They will always lead us to the way Howard Hughes ended, miserable. Because they cannot give us what we're really looking for. See, in Reuben and Simeon and Levi, we see Leah looking for love in all the wrong places. And maybe you're sitting there right now going, you know what, I haven't felt unloved. I don't know if I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. Let me give you some questions to help you identify if you might be doing this and if you've felt unloved before. Here's just some questions to reflect on. Are you a perfectionist? Do you fear the opinions of other people? Do you have a false sense of superiority or a false sense of inferiority? Are you depressed? Are you suspicious of nice things done for you? Do you have a critical spirit? Do you get angry easily? <laughs> now, I know those are convicting for many of you because there are many that are convicting to me. Just a few questions to help you identify if you felt unloved and if you're looking for love in all the wrong places. I would agree with my seminary professor that the subtitle of the Bible could be looking for love in all the wrong places. It's the story of humanity. And all of us, I believe, if we're honest, know that struggle well. Well, let's look lastly at being found by love. We see that something happens in the heart of Leah in the naming of her fourth child in verse 35. I don't know if you picked up on it. In verse 35, she conceives Judah. And she says, this time I will praise the Lord. Her husband Jacob is not mentioned. Her heart is set on the Lord. Something has happened in Leah's heart. Now the text isn't clear about what exactly happens, but we know something happens. A shift has occurred in Leah's heart. All of a sudden, with the birth of Judah, she resounds with praise to the Lord. She goes from feeling ugly, unwanted, the rejected sister and wife who was looking for love and security in her husband Jacob to a woman filled with joy and praise because she knows she is loved and secured by God. She goes from a woman who is somewhat resentful to this omnipresent God who she thinks doesn't really care intimately for her to a woman who is resounding with praise to a God who she believes in and knows, knows her better than anyone. She goes from looking for love in all the wrong places to being found by love in a place of pain and hurt in the midst of feeling unloved. I love this quote by Tim Keller. He says, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. To be fully known and truly loved by God. That's the truth and the reality that all of us need to live in today. Now, I want to be very practical this morning. 
My hope and prayer as a pastor of this church is that each and every one of us understands and believes in the light of God's unchanging love towards us. There's a pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, Bob Flayhart, uh, who talks about the gospel waltz. The gospel waltz is a dance that every Christian needs to dance to daily. It is a three-step dance that we all need to take and dance to. Repent, believe, and fight. Repent, believe, and fight. That is the dance that we need to dance to daily. And so what does that look like in the light of Genesis chapter 29? Repent means to identify your Reubens and your Simeons and your Levi's. Identify the things that you're running to in order to feel loved and valued and wanted and secured. What are the things that this very day you're looking to in order to feel man enough or to feel beautiful enough? And then spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer before God confessing these things and be specific and be honest and share them with other people, confidants that you can trust, not everybody, but a few people. And repent and confess and then believe. Reaffirm the love of Christ to your own heart and your own mind. We say this a lot. You're more sinful than you imagine, but in Christ you're more loved than you dream. The love of Christ is rich, and it's free. He was the perfect, spotless, without blemish Son of God, who was made ugly, beaten, bruised, mocked, spit upon. Jesus was abandoned by everyone close to Him, leaving the security of His Father's love to take the wrath on the cross. And He did that so that you and I can believe and know that we're more loved than we've ever dreamed so that we can believe and know that we are secured as the beloved children of God. We need to believe His words to us, beloved. We need to believe those and listen to just some of many of the words that are filling the Scriptures that He speaks to us. You are a chosen race. You're a people of my possession. Nothing can separate you from my love. You've been transferred into the kingdom of God. You were made in the likeness of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. More than the flowers of the field will I care for you. Would you believe that? Would we believe that this morning? And then lastly, fight. Repent, believe, and fight. Recall the gospel every day. Every day we're going to fail to to believe the love and grace and the mercy of Jesus. We'll turn to other lovers that will ultimately disappoint us all. And we believe and then we fight. And we need to fight to remind ourselves and to remember and to recall all that God has declared and all that God has done for us, church. God has made known His love to us in His Word. He has made known His love to us in prayer, in fellowship with others. He's made known and will make known His love to us on Sunday morning in the worship of God's people and the preaching of the Word and the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And it's a fight. I say fight purposefully because there will be many days you won't feel like reading your Bible. Many days you won't feel like praying. Many days you'll wake up on a Sunday morning and you won't feel like coming to church. But we need to fight to recall the love of God daily. More and more that God took us who were unlovable, and ugly and rebellious 
and he transformed us into a radiant, beautiful bride that he takes great delight in and rejoices over. God loves you, church. God loves you. And would we believe, and would our hearts shout like Leah at the birth of Judah, I will praise the Lord. Amen? Let's pray.